ReliaQuest mental performance coaches Dr. Nicole Detling and Darren McMains interview top performers across multiple industries to unpack the strategies and the mindset they use to get the job done. Welcome to No Show Dogs, powered by ReliaQuest. Hello and welcome back to the No Show Dogs podcast. This is Dr. Nicole Detling here along with my co-host D-Mac. How you doing today? Oh, Doc, I'm great. Fired up for today, by the way. Super fired up. <laughs> awesome. You should be because we have a really incredible guest today. Mia Manganello Kilberg is with us today. Mia, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's a day off, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, thank you for spending your day off with us. That's incredible. Seriously. Yeah, that is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, My I'm really honored. That's cool. That's cool. So let's give our listeners a little background on Mia. So Mia was born in Florida, but moved to Salt Lake City at 13 years old, where she trained on the ice as a speed skater until she was 20 years old. During that time, she made multiple junior and senior World Cup and World Championship teams. She competed in two Olympic trials. And after the 2010 Olympic trials, she decided to retire from speed skating. At that point, she took one year completely off, didn't do anything, probably though, I know you well enough, Mia, to know you didn't sit on the couch eating Cheetos. Like, <laughs> you just didn't compete, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she decided to pick up road cycling, and she ended up racing on the national circuit for five years. For her team, she became the team sprinter and won a few green, which are the sprinter jerseys at stage races. 2016, she decides to come back to speed skating, where she then became a national record holder in the 3000 meter. She made the 2018 Winter Olympics. She ended up winning a bronze medal at that Olympics in the team pursuit. She then made the 2020 Olympics and ended up in fourth place in the math mass start at that games. And she's currently training for the 2026 Winter Olympics. Mia, absolutely incredible. And I know you could have given us a lot more about that. <laughs> so thank you for being here with us today and sharing your journey and the lessons learned along the way. Um, and so yeah, I bet. And we probably could talk for days <laughs> for all those lessons. But hey, let's just start with like, take us through that original journey of speed skating. Um, you know, at 13 years old, you decide to move out to Salt Lake City um, and pursue this dream of yours. Like take us through just your original journey through speed skating. Yeah, I mean, first off, I had the most amazing parents I think um, now that I'm around the age they were when they made the decision to help me and, and move out to Salt Lake City, I'm much more appreciative and and realizing kind of what sacrifices and what they actually went through. Um, but yeah, when I was 12 years old, I was inline speed skating in Florida, uh, competitively, internationally, nationally, and I got this kind of desire out of nowhere to, uh, to be an Olympian. Um, and like I said, I had amazing parents that believed in me and, and thought I had the potential and, and wanted to give me everything I, I, I needed in order to fulfill that. And so we packed up an RV and we drove across the country from Florida to Utah. And we got here on my 13th birthday, actually. <laughs> and wow. uh yeah and it was just steamrolling from there 
um, we, you know, bounced around from apartments and my parents opened restaurants and, and just did what they needed to do in order to get me, uh, to accomplish that, that goal and dream. And, and for me, I, I was just in heaven. Um, I had chose to be homeschooled at that time, um, so that I can devote full time to speed skating. Um, I started with the club team here at the Oval and then developed onto the junior national team, national team. And like you had said, like I had made junior world teams, senior world teams and competed in two Olympic trials. And yeah, it was, it was, it was an amazing journey. Uh, I have no complaints except for now looking back, I took it all for granted, but we can get to that later. <laughs> well, actually, now it was a great time. Like, talk about that for a minute. So you, I mean, something yeah. led to your decision to retire in 2016, right? 2016? Yeah, something yes. led to that decision to retire. 2010. 2010, okay. I came back in 16. That's right, you came back in 16. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was, was it partly because you took it for granted? Or did you not recognize mm -hmm. that until after you had retired, which is maybe what brought you back? Absolutely. So once I had retired, I retired because I just got burnt out. Um, mentally, physically, I was young, immature as an athlete. Um, I didn't know how to handle diversity. Um, my coach had just gotten fired the year prior. My world was upside down. I was meant to make the, the 2010 Olympics. Um, but the, my coach had gotten fired in 20 or <laughs> 2009, 2009. And, uh, and I just didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to go to a new coach, create a new program. Um, and so I just kind of shut down. And unfortunately, up to that point, everything had come pretty naturally. And it's kind of, it kind of just had been given to me. And so I definitely didn't appreciate what I had in the moment and take full advantage of, of, you know, those avenues and, uh, and what I was given. So when I, when I decided to quit, um, of course it was for a boy, <laughs> but <laughs> I, wanted, <laughs> yep. I wanted to be normal, you know, um, like I had said, I was homeschooled my entire life and well, from fifth to 12th. So I wanted that normalcy. I wanted friends. I was 20 years old. I wanted to go out. I wanted to have dinners and parties. And, um, and so I stepped away from the sport and I thought that's what I wanted. And, um, I took one year completely off from sport, like you said, competitive sport. And, uh, and that's when I started getting the itch for something. <laughs> um, and I had made a couple friends that invited me out to a, um, a group ride. And he was like, you've kind of got something in you. Like I, I've been riding my entire life. And so I had taken one year completely off from sport um, competitively and tried to do the normal thing. I got a job, um, which was fantastic. I was a bank teller and I loved getting all cute and glamorous and oh, nice. 
playing with money. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but then I joined a group ride, and there was a gentleman that I had met on that group ride that told me that I I may have potential. Um, I had ridden my bike for cross training my entire life for speed skating. It was something I was very familiar with, but it was nothing that I found joy in. I think mostly because it was something I had to do. Um, it was something that I did for my sport. And so he convinced me to go out for a weekend um, criterium race. And so it's just a, a mile loop. It was just a local thing. No big deal. Went out, did it. I think I got third and was just hooked. I was like, this is what, this is the, this is going to fill the hole that, that I've been, you know, creating these past couple or this past year. And, um, and I went out and I, w- I was just hooked. I went back the next weekend, got second and I just kept going, going. And I ended up getting a coach, joining a team, and then my my cycling career started. That's incredible. What hooked you? What what was that draw and that appeal that just filled yeah, I that mean, in you? I think it was just the competitiveness. I mean, I've mm. been an athlete my entire life, and it's just in me. I just want to win. I want to be the best. But I also within my athletic career and journey have found that I also desire structure. And, and for me at that point, I didn't really have a purpose and sport kind of filled that for me. Um, It's something that I feel I've been blessed with and just want to make sure that I feel every unrealized potential. That's one of my, that's probably my only fear in life is unrealized potential. And so for me, any chance I get to be the best that I can be, I feel I I have to take that journey. Mia, thank you for sharing that. There's so much. I just, I know there was a lot. it's, It's so awesome. So cool. One thing that I thought was really interesting that that you described was the hole inside of you, right? Mm-hmm. And just trying to like fill that. And I think about when you're trying to fill anything, there's a fulfilling component to that. Mm-hmm. So what's fulfilling? And I think about specifically with athletes or even entrepreneurs that are driven at an, a different type of level, there is there's something that attracts individuals to challenges or hard. Like I look for hard, like give me something hard because always on the other side of hard is fulfillment generally. Right. And so it was it the challenge. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Right. And even if you don't get on the other side of it, you're like, well, that was kind of fun trying, but was it the, was it the challenge of a new sport or was it uh, I'm just curious, like, Cause you're an all in type of person. Like I get that right away when oh. I hear it, right. It's like, Oh, I'm going all in. And that's what it takes, right. I mean, but that's what it takes to be great. And so I see that in you, I hear it in you. And so I just, but what, how come, like, how come you're the all in person? Like, how come when you see cycling or how come when you go back to speed skating later, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. it, that you go all in, like, what is the thing that draws you to realize your full potential? I mean, winning. <laughs> yes. 
Keep it simple. I love it. Winning. Right? <laughs> um, deeper level. Um, just not taking anything for granted. Um, like I had said, I, I quit speed skating earlier on and realized that I had taken it all for granted. And I didn't realize my full potential in that moment. Um, obviously, everything happens for a reason. And so, you know, I needed to take that journey so that I do appreciate it now and I can work even harder now. But I really feel just a desire to to be my best and and have no regrets and make my family proud and make it all worth it. And, you know, there's so much sacrifice that athletes and I mean, in any form of, of anything that you put your, your entire heart into something, there are sacrifices and, uh, and you just, at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. At what point in your cycling career, did you realize I've got, I've got something left in the tank. I got unfinished business over in speed skating. Like, like what was the, what was the genesis of that? What was the catalyst that moved you over back into speed skating? So when I, when I quit speed skating in 2010, I had taken that year off and it was great because it was new. It was something exciting, you know, and then it, then the, the smoke kind of cleared out and and you're just kind of realizing, okay, I'm 21. I'm sitting here on a couch, you know, and, and, I don't, I don't want to say it was my, my dad, but just my entire life, it's just always been, you know, you, you have more to give, you have more to give, you have this glow, you have this energy, like the world needs to see you. You can do so much with yourself and, and just feeling a little empty inside kind of drove me to the cycling. And with the cycling, Again, it was new. It was exciting. I was having fun. I was getting better. Cycling is the best sport. When you work hard, you get better, period. Um, There's very little technique into it, um, aside from skating, which you can be the strongest freaking horse out there and just go nowhere. Very frustrating, but very rewarding. (laughs) but yeah, so it was it was something that I think two years into my cycling career, I started, I, I want to say I watched the 2014 Olympic trials and uh, it was, oh, I was like, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Like, these girls aren't skating much faster than I was. I'm in way better shape than I've ever been in my life. Um, another year went by still training, still improving in cycling, doing well, enjoying it. And then 2015 into the 16 season, I was living in New Mexico at the time training on the bike, uh, which is much closer than Florida. <laughs> um, and so on a weekend, uh, my boyfriend and I at the time, came down and I just kind of touched the ice and it was just like coming home. It was just like, I get emotional because it was such a powerful moment for me because I knew 
that I had taken the journey I've needed to take in order to get to this point. And it's funny that you say unfinished business because one of my old coaches from when I just started speed skating um, was there that day. And he says, I go, what do you think? And he says, I think we have unfinished business. And right there, I was, I was like, this is something I have to do. I have to do for me, my family, everybody that's devoted so much to me. Uh, the biggest regret up to that point was not making the Olympics. I had done everything I, I could have done but make the Olympics. Um, and it was just something I had to do. And so luckily, again, I had the amazing support of my family to, uh, to support me moving out here and continuing, was it, I don't know, eight years at that point, um, continuing to chase that, that goal and, and, uh, accomplish the ultimate dream. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was so powerful, Mia. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I'm a crier. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. It's incredibly powerful. You know, I mean, when it means that much to you, of course, emotions are going to sometimes be a part of that. But, you know, it's it's interesting because I was going to ask you the question, why not just stick with cycling? Because you were really like ramping up and you were really in a space where you were about to just take off. and Totally maybe you could have made the Olympics in cycling. Right. But yeah. I think you just explained really well that it's, it was that, that powerful connection you had to the ice that cycling filled that, that gap, that hole Great uh, for a little while. But mm-hmm. as soon as you step back on that ice, it was just your home. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really powerful and really incredible. I think a lot of us can certainly relate to that in terms of we, we want to do something. We have this passion, this goal, this mission that we want to accomplish. And sometimes we get off track and we go somewhere else. And then when we come back is when we really recognize the, how powerful that particular thing is for us. Yeah. And it's something that I try to share with the younger generation now in the sport um, that maybe question going to college or, Mm. you know, or continuing to skate. It's, it's a very difficult sport. It is a full-time sport if you want to make it and in order to do school full-time or travel or be a kid um it's difficult to have both and so it's something that I try to convey to the younger generation uh, of the sport and really any sport that you have time you have time to step away get your mind in order, get what you want fulfilled in that moment and come back. Um, For me, leaving was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, It, like I said, it, it made me realize what I had and appreciate things more. But then also I matured. I matured as a woman, as an athlete, as a teammate, 
um, I came back to the sport a better person than, than I left, which I think I, uh, yeah, I, I give a lot of praise to, to the cycling world and the community for giving me that. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. What would you say then just last thing before we transition into your Mm -hmm. coming back to speed skating and what that journey was like for you, but just this last idea, what would you say is maybe the mindset differences or what you learned about what was necessary for the mindset coming back into speed skating that maybe you learned from cycling that you hadn't realized before? Yeah. I mean, something super simple was perspective on the sport. Um, a perfect example. I am a middle to long distance speed skater. Uh, I race the 1500 meter, the 3000 meter, sometimes the 5k. Um, and for me, the 3000 is just, I don't know what it is about it, but it is just my race. I'm not the best at it, but it's something that I just wholeheartedly, it's almost the only event that I just want to freaking kill. So you clearly love the pain cave. I'm mental. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, So perspective, uh, when I left the sport, it was the longest, hardest seven laps ever of anything. Four minutes, four and a half minutes of just hell, right? Um, Leave the sport. I'm riding three, four plus hours on a bike. I'm doing stage races four, five days long. Each stage, three hours. Um, I come back to the sport and I'm thinking four minutes. Like, like you can do anything for four minutes. Nice. There's, yeah. The, I mean, there's just no... Like, what's the big deal about seven laps, you know? And so athletically, that was the biggest thing that I had um, was just having a new perspective on on everything, maybe less fear of things. Um, But then as a teammate... Uh, and just maturity wise as an athlete and a, and a person, I think cycling. So speed skating is a, an individual sport. We train as a team every day, twice a day. But then when we get to the line, it's you. Like you race your teammate that's right next to you. Um, so in that sense, it's one of the most difficult sports, I think, to navigate with teammates and emotions and friendships um, because your teammate is your competitor. Where in cycling, your teammates are your team and you win because you're teammates. And when I started cycling, I was, (laughs) I was very speed skating. (laughs) I was very, um, selfish. Why does she get to win? I want to win. It created a new perspective for me of of who I am and what kind of person I am. And maybe I want to be a little bit better of a person. (laughs) And um, but then once I was able to transition my mindset 
to completely destroy yourself for your teammate in order for them to win <sighs> was game changer. Game changer. Um, I never knew how to really speak to a teammate just because in speed skating, like, yeah, you're my teammate. Love you, but eh, kind of want to beat you. So, eh. um, you know, and so it, it gave me just a, a new way of thinking and, and I don't want to say dealing, but <clears throat> speaking with people and, um, you know, and understanding different personalities and, and yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it really transitioned me into the person I am today and obviously I'm still growing, but I think that was that those six years of cycling really developed who I, I am and really in helping me continue on to be a person. So Mia, this is great. And, and I know doc said before we jump into speed skating, but now you just said something that I know our listeners, a lot of entrepreneurs, business professionals are going to pick up on and it's you transitioning, changing your mindset from how can I, um, you know, as you described being selfish and just, it's about mm -hmm. me winning versus how can I help the team win? And I know a lot of business professionals, this is a struggle because it's, you're an individual contributor for a long time and it is, you're doing the thing and then you get promoted to become a manager, a leader, and then it's not about you anymore. It yeah. is, how can you elevate everyone around you? How can you serve everyone around you? And so can you talk to us a little bit how did you do that? That's a hard thing, especially if you think about your speed skating from 13 to, you know, yeah. um, long time every day, twice a day where every, it is ingrained to beat the person next to you. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, it's not about you anymore, Mia. Like, how did you, how'd you go through that? Like, was it teammates pouring into you? Was it uh, just walk us through that process? Cause I know a lot of people can learn from that. Yeah. I mean, I will say it probably took about three years. So be patient with yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was teammates working with sports psychs even. Um, but it was, for me personally, it was almost a sink or swim situation. Um, the people I was surrounded by, my teammates, they had grown up cycling. And this is how they knew things should be. And so it was, okay, Mia, you can't be this way. If you want to be on, if you want to be on the team, you can't be this way. You need to change your mindset. And yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I've never thought about when that transition happened. Um, but I had a teammate that uh, still one of my greatest friends. She just kind of created this glow about the idea of being a teammate. Um, succeed, finding success in a teammate's success. Um, and it really, I know she was kind of a role model for me in that, in that moment. And so I, I definitely just wanted to be her <laughs> and, you know, and, but then also found that fulfillment and joy when I did accept it. And you know, you get praised after by your teammates. Yeah, maybe you're not on the podium, but but having that recognition from your team and your team director um, or your coworkers, you know, that you've done a great job, it makes it worth it. 
And yeah, it definitely takes time. That's for sure. But, um, but all in all, definitely worth working on it every single day because it is the most rewarding feeling. Mia, that's incredible. And actually a perfect segue because then when you came back to speed skating, yeah. You ended up winning your medal in the team yes. pursuit, mm -hmm. which is the closest thing that speed skating would have to uh, something similar to yeah. cycling, right? Where you have to really, um, it's you and two of your teammates, right? Yeah. So can you maybe just explain to our listeners what the team pursuit is? Just start with that because they probably, unless they're watching diehard speed skating fans, they probably don't know. Which hopefully you all will be after right. this. After this, that's right. <laughs> Everybody's going to be a Mia Manganiello Kilberg fan after this. But yeah, could you explain that? Um, just mm -hmm. start with that event maybe and then talk about, yeah. you know, what led up to that medal and even the race where you won the medal. I mean, just kind of take us through that. That would be great. Yeah, so um, I came back to the sport from cycling with this newfound teammate mentality, but very guilty of going back to my old ways of being a selfish little brat that just wants to kick everybody's butt. Um, <laughs> so that lasted a year <laughs> because you don't make friends being that way. And so it's a very lonely situation. So again, transitioned, worked on it every day to, uh, to accommodate my teammates and, and just be a better person towards my teammates. Um, this helped me find myself on the Team Pursuit team. Um, the Team Pursuit is it's a, a male and then a female team. Um, so women, it's three individuals that race six laps around the rink. Uh, it's a 400 meter track. And the finishing time is based off your third skater. So with that mentality, you have to stay as a unit. Um, the hardest part of it is communicating throughout the race, leading into the race, uh, through trainings, and being honest with one another. Um, we step to the line, trusting one another. And we have to, because in order to get our third person across the line, maybe I don't feel the best that day. I need to make sure that I'm honest with my teammates, that maybe I need to not lead one of the laps, maybe sit in the draft, stay to myself in order to better suit the team. Um, it's a very difficult mentality for a lot of speed skaters to transition into from a time trial setting, a very individual mindset into a team event. Um, our big, the biggest thing I believe is letting egos go. Um, I think that's how a team succeeds is is, you know, there's no egos. There's no judgment, only honesty. That's the only thing that will ruin hard training, potential of winning will be someone going in with ego and not expressing honestly how they feel. Um, and 
and I say all this because traditionally the team pursuit, so it's six laps and traditionally we would switch leads so that the person in front's working, person in second and third have the, the uh, aerodynamic draft so that they can rest. And then the first person will shift off. The next person will take that lead. And so with this honesty um, and setting aside the ego, you want to be the strongest. You don't want to be the weakest in a, in a team. But if I'm not feeling great that day and I take that lead and I slow us down or I pull off and I end up getting dropped from the other two girls, we lose. Um, and so in order to, to succeed as a team, I mean, I think those those are the two biggest points of of succeeding is, is honesty and letting an ego go. Yeah. And Mia, can you also just lay out for our listeners, um, because I'm imagining that they're thinking that all the teams are lined up and you're oh, just yeah. racing these other teams. So yeah. if you could explain that, because I think that brings an important piece of this mindset in as well. Totally. So with the team pursuit, uh, it's set up in pairs. For women, it's typically eight different countries do this race and we'll, I want to say people call it a rat race. Um, So we'll set up front stretch and back stretch. So it'll be Team USA, Team Canada. And then the gun will go off and we will skate at the same time. Um, You're not seeing your pair. It's all internal. So it's just you, your other two teammates, just going as fast as possible. Um, once our event is done, we get off the ice. Next pair, co- next two countries come on. They do their rat race. And at the end of the fourth pair, if there's eight countries, um, it will be a timed event. And so after all four races, uh, you'll have your winner. Yeah. So that brings in a totally different element because unlike other sports where you can see where your competitors are Mm -hmm. and how close you are, you have much less information. Now, obviously, if you're the last pair to go, then you have a little bit more. You know what the time is to be. Um, But you don't necessarily know what the pair with you is doing or how quickly they're going or things like that. So that's a completely different element of that mindset as well. Yeah, and it kind of, I mean, it it caters to the speed skating mentality, the time trial selfishness mentality, right? It's our whole life we're told it's you against the clock. Like, don't worry about anybody else because it really doesn't matter what anybody else is going to do. You can't change that. All you can change is, is your outlook on the race and how you do. Um, and so the same mentality pretty much goes into the team pursuit. It's just three of y'all against the clock and coordinating, communicating how to make the fastest team get across the line. But it, uh, it varies from World Cups to the Olympics. So the Olympic race was, was a different story. Yeah. So talk us through that. What was that experience like? You know, what happened during the race? Was there some adversity? Um, I love your whole, you know, no judgment, only honesty. Like that's what it's going to take in order to achieve success. Like, can you talk us through that experience? Yeah. So 
it's a wild story. But going into the 2018 Olympics, um, our A team, so the optimal three girls that would race for the medal and the team pursuit, had only trained together once before we stepped to the line at the Olympics. So I said the difference between World Cups and the Olympics, World Cups, it's one and done. You get one chance. Your team gets one opportunity to skate as fast as they can. Top three, go to the podium. At the Olympics, they've changed that where there's three rounds. So the first round, you go to the line, all the countries, same format, two skate at the same time, next pair, next pair. Um, each country races and top four go to the medal rounds. So the first round, arguably most important, because if you mess that up, then you have no chance to get the medal. So the day before, two days before, our first round was the first time that myself, Brittany Bow, and Heather Bergsma had ever skated together. Um, which is just wild. Um, but they had great opportunities to individually medal in their individual races at those at those games. And so structurally schedule is just how it had to happen. Um, and so for us, it felt great. I mean, it was okay. I'm pretty good at adapting. Um, same with the other girls. And, and so we stepped to the line, round one. No expectations. We had absolutely no idea what we were capable of. We knew we were three very strong individuals. But the fastest people together aren't always the fastest team. It takes practice, um, coordination, trust, experience to succeed as a unit, um, which I think makes our story even more amazing <laughs> because, I mean, if we could have had four days to practice, who knows? <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so we stepped to the line and we were, all right, let's get it, girls. Like, let's see what we're going to do here. The gun goes off. Um, so to put it in perspective, uh, Heather and Brittany are sprinters. So their specialties are 500 meter, 1,000 and 1,500. They are fast. They are in the moment. They were the two fastest women in the world. And then me, <laughs> um, I'm a middle to distance at the moment, much more distance. And uh, I was not the fastest in the world. <laughs> in the world, so I was quite intimidated. But I knew that I did have a bit better endurance than them, and so maybe I, you know, each one of us had our own things that we were bringing to this team in order to make it a unit. Um, we all were a different piece to make the perfect circle. So we stepped to the line, rip it. Gun goes off. Heather goes to the front. So fast. I'm sprinting, basically, to keep up with her. <laughs> and so we're sprinting. She's fine because she's really fast. Um, and so we do what I had said. Like, we were switching off leads. 
and everybody was doing great. I had the last lap and a half to do of the race. Um, we get across the line and we look up at the scoreboard and we see a four next to our name. And we were the last pair at the Olympics. Um, so like you had said, it's a little easier because you just know what you need to do. Um, but we look up, we see the four and we lit, you would have thought we won the gold medal. We threw our hands up. We're screaming, hooting, hollering. You know, we get on the back stretch, we're slapping our coach's hands. And, um, and I, it was probably, I mean, we won the, we won the medal. Right. And that's phenomenal. But like that moment, not knowing your potential and seeing it realized it was, it was, well, there's no words to ex explain what, what we felt and I felt in that moment. Um, so we had that, that was round one. We had a day off. Went in uh, two days later for round two and three. So we had two and three, there's about an hour to 90 minutes between the two races. So with us, we were seed four. So we would race first place um, in the first round. And then second and third would race each other. And so these were the races that determined whether you go to the gold medal or you go to the bronze medal round. We were seed four. We knew we couldn't beat seed one. I think it was Japan. Um, so our strategy was to put in our alternate, um, Carlin Shelton and save one of the two girls for our third round and put all our eggs in that bronze medal basket. So we went out, um, the second round, since it is just, so it's a rat race, but since it is just a one-off race, it's not time-based. It's just whoever's the first one across the line. And so we went out and we basically half-assed it. <laughs> Um, in order to make sure that myself and Heather had the most energy for an hour later to try to win that bronze medal. Um, so we half at, I mean, Kath, or excuse me, Caroline raced. I think she led five of the six laps. <laughs> she, she killed it. She saved us. Um, we crossed the line, obviously got beat. No big deal switch over to uh, the bronze medal round and we got our skates off recovery went into strategy mode and, and got ready for that, for that ultimate race. Mia, was that hard for you when that strategy was introduced? Like we talked earlier, it's like, Hey, why, why chase all the hard things? Why run it after those big challenges? And you're like winning. That's why, you know? And so I imagine in that situation, like, how was the coaching? How was the strategy that got mm -hmm. you to a mindset of like, hey, this is like huge amount of self-awareness, right? Team awareness, whatever it was yeah. like this. This is what we can do. And we're going all in here because we believe that we can win this one. Was that hard for you? Like, what was that conversation like? Um, I see what you're saying. It would be hard, I think, in any other situation. But clearly we had no chance. <laughs> um, so it's really just realizing in the moment, what your potential is and the, the best outlook of, um, or the best reward 
for for what our our hand was in that moment. You know, maybe sure. it would have been different if we had trained for years on it and, and we could have been competitive with with tier one or the, the first seed, excuse me. But uh, yeah, in that moment, we played the cards that we needed to play in order to get the, the optimal goal. I think, but that's such a great point because I think some people think like, uh, full force, gotta go, full all the time, all the time versus like, Hey, we're going to be strategic here. Like there's yep. a, we can still win and not win this race. Like we can still, you know, be our best and not be here. And so I just think there's a lot yes. of value in that and knowing like, what's the hand you're dealt with and how can I win with this hand? And so I just think there's a lot of insight there. Cause I think, you know, if for people that go on Pinterest or the motivational poster with the cat that sees itself as a lion in a mirror, whatever it might be yes. out there the you know, not that those things are bad. Right. And there's a time and place for them, but it's just, it's cool to hear a real life mm-hmm. example of how you all were able to go to, to push back against that emotional, oh, let's just go, yeah, we can yeah, do yeah. anything, you know, versus like, what's the best thing for our team right now? Yeah. Based on we've been together for two days or whatever it's been, we, you know, and so I just, really cool stories. Thank well, you the for big, The that. big thing for, for the Olympics too is uh, Olympic pride, right? And so a lot of, we got a little bit of, of slack for what we did because mm. we didn't hold up to the Olympic spirit of giving your all in every single race. Um, so we did catch a little bit for that, but ultimately it's, it's a game. It's a race. You do what yeah. you got to do to, to get what you need. Yeah. Um, but back to the cat lion uh, photo, right? Like, just because it's not going for the gold medal doesn't mean that it didn't come out, you know? And in that, in that bronze medal race, like we definitely, (laughs) we definitely were lions (laughs) when maybe we weren't quite lions in that moment, (laughs) but we believed it, but we believed it. Um, Yeah. That last race was, was all we had. It was good enough. So. That's cool. That's awesome. It's amazing. Doc, on, I know we're running up against it, um, but just I have one more question. Uh, I, I have a bunch, but we'll just stick with one. <laughs> Mia, do you think that you would have ever been able to evolve into the teammate that you were without cycling? Do you think yeah. you needed that part of your journey to be the best version of yourself now? Absolutely. Um, it's obviously it's hard to say that it was cycling. Um, that was just my avenue, but stepping away from the sport, finding new perspective, new outlooks, meeting different types of people, um, completely changed who I was as a person and completely developed me into, I think, a better person, but then also a better athlete. Um, The different outlooks, meeting different people outside of what you do, I think is the the greatest and most rewarding thing you could do for yourself. Um, It gives you a new perspective on life, different outlooks on, on maybe what you're going through. Maybe you had a hard training that day and it's the end of the world. Well, it's not, you know, you choose, you choose to do this. 
and, you know, find enjoyment and privilege and honor and grace and in what you're able to do. Um, I think that has been something that has helped me a lot in recent years, even like I said, I'm still growing and developing and, um, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm one of the older athletes on the team now. And, and so you kind of just start, you see your finish line. And so you kind of start becoming even more appreciative of every day and every moment and making every single thing matter and count. Um, I am very guilty of getting over consumed with that mindset though, that I have to reel that in that, um, you know, if, if I have to miss a training because I need to help a family member or a, a friend do something, it's not the end of the world. One training's not going to kill you. Uh, it's not going to make or break you. Um, you know, it's, it's just giving yourself grace to appreciate what you have and keep your mind open to new experiences. Um, and really just, I mean, it, it's your life, you know, you choose to do something, give all you got with it and, you know, live with no regrets is basically what I try to live by. Mia, this is incredible. There's seriously so much good stuff here. We could definitely continue this conversation on for an hour or two. (laughs) Yes. Yes, she already agreed. Let me know. Let me know. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, So, so much goodness here. Thank you so much for being open and willing to share your journey and your story because I think it's really powerful and something that we can all take um, some lessons from as we go forward from here. Last question is same question we ask everyone, which, you know, what were those things that you were willing to do that maybe others were not willing that you feel helped you achieve your success and not just success to this point, but future success. Cause you're still training for the next Olympics. That's right. That's right. So what are those things? What would you identify as those being? Um, I think the ability sounds terrible, but to be selfish when I need to be, um, be willing to sacrifice the moment for the ultimate goal. It's getting more difficult with age. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 33 now and, you know, I look back and I'm like, where did my twenties go? Like, what did I accomplish in the grand scheme of life? Um, but yeah, ultimately I think that's something that I, I think that is something that, I am proud of myself for, for being able to stay focused when it's easy to be deterred, (laughs) you know, and, and I mean, that's, that's anywhere from eating the cheeseburger that I want to (laughs) eat to, you know, going on vacation when the rest of my friends are going on vacation but not being able to because I have a competition the next weekend. Um, So it's, yeah, it's not difficult being, being an athlete or being the best. That, 
I'll tell you one that hit that like literally made the hair on the back of my neck stand up was you're willing to sacrifice the moment for the ultimate goal. Yeah. That is so, oh, right. And I think that's a question that anyone who's listening, that should wrestle with. I mean, that, yeah, that really to anyone, right? Right. Yeah. Are you willing to sacrifice this moment Mm -hmm. for the ultimate goal? And what a, what a powerful question. So thank you for sharing that. And it is, um, I'm so happy doc was able to uh, convince you to come chat with us. It's been such <laughs> so it, it, cool. didn't, it didn't take much. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's just been an honor, and just I can just tell you, like I'm super proud that you're representing our country. It's really cool, and and just really neat um, to hear about your journey and your story. And just thank you for being willing to come on the No Show Dogs podcast and to share your story. And and as Doc mentioned, we're like so much goodness here that. Um, Part two is coming. We just got to figure out uh, I'm how we're going to Let's make do it. Happen. I got so much more to say. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, no, thank you for the for the platform and the opportunity to share my journey. And absolutely. And, yeah, and Mia, if people want to connect with you, where are are you on social media? What are your handles? How can people best connect with you or find you? Yeah. So uh, probably Instagram is probably the the easiest thing. Um, I think you can just look at my name, but at mnmango89. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am I tell this to all the clubs that I, and skaters I, I visit and, and interact with, but I am willing to speak to anyone if anybody has any questions or, or concerns and maybe, they, you know, they're contemplating doing something or, or not doing something. I'm, I'm here. I train awesome. and sit on my couch and play with my dog. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Continuing to be a teammate, even for people you don't know yet. That's amazing. I try. I try. Yeah. Thank you, Mia. This was incredible. Mia, Honestly. thanks.